Blog Talk Radio. Now tuned in to the mother uh, and greatest. All right, all right, all right. Yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to Let's Chat, y'all. We are back. We are back. Hey, T, how are you? I'm good, Misha girl. How you doing this Wednesday evening? It's actually pretty nice here in New York today for a change. <laughs> I thought I was gonna have to go build an ark, girl. <laughs> I know it's been raining here in Atlanta too. It's been like it was pouring down rain yesterday, like literally, mm-hmm. like it was ridiculousness. I was like, I thank God for the rain because you don't have to turn on the sprinkler system. So that right. saves the bill because the grass gets watered. But at the same mm-hmm. time, it's like uh, you can't really go anywhere when it's raining like that. I know. It's kind of one of those catch up on anything you're behind kind of days. <laughs> We welcome you guys to Let's Chat. You know me and T, we get together, and we just be talking up a storm, but we want to welcome everyone to the show. Our topic today is straight out of publishing. We got three fabulous guests, uh, three strong pins in literature. I'm excited to have all three on the show today. We got the fabulous Mm -hmm. Sylvia Hubbard, the fabulous Renita M. Walker, and Omar Tyree. You know, he's one of the hardest working men in literature. I always say that. <laughs> so truly. And now, not only is he working hard in literature, but he is so busy in the musical industry as well. So he is a true friend to the show here in Let's Chat, and we always have a great time uh, when he comes into the chat room. You know, me and Alicia always try to take him out of character a little bit, but he make it hard for us sisters, but we don't all try nonetheless. <laughs> I know, right? He really does. But it's, it's always exciting to have him on the show, be able to talk that talk with him. Um, 
I remember him telling us we weren't going to get any more books, but there's a book coming. I'm just saying, mm-hmm. you know, me and T have that effect on people. <laughs> we sure do. And uh, if he does try to deny it, at least, you know, we're going to just have to pull up those archives because he's still here a number of times, so we got a lot of footage on Mr. Omar Tyree. We just saying. <laughs> I know, right? Well, we want to welcome everybody to this chat. We don't have a topic for this week. Last weekend, uh, this past weekend, I went to the Hustle and Grind in Detroit. It was awesome. I hooked up with mm-hmm. some fabulous, fabulous people. I love connecting with people in literature. I'm always meeting dope people on a regular basis. And every time I go to an event, I always, always seem to meet those people. So it was awesome to be able to mm-hmm. see authors that I don't see often. It was kind of like a family reunion, which is mm-hmm. always the awesome thing. And um, then I met some really, really nice new authors that I didn't know about. And so we have some new guests coming on the show. I'm excited um, just for the connections that were made. Shout out to Michelle Moore and her the uh, Hood Book Ambassadors. That's the book club there in Detroit. They did a phenomenal job. I mean, that book club was on point. <laughs> I saw the pictures, Leisha, and it looked like it was a really, really great turnout for both authors and readers as well. Uh, lots and lots of streaming. So check out those uh, the, the pictures on Leisha's page. I tried to share as many of them as I could. She even went live a, a time or two. So check out her page. She has some wonderful footage from the Hustling Grind and Hopefully next year, Leash, I would love, love, love to try to get back there uh, and, and enjoy that with you guys. Absolutely. We're going to take a brief break, and then we will be back with an, our first guest, and that is the okay. fabulous Rita M. Walker, straight out of publishing, straight out of Detroit. I wish we had some Detroit artists on here, and we could have repped Detroit all night, but we don't. But we will, you know, if you are an independent artist and you'd like to send some music in, we always are accepting independent music. Just send your request and your music in an MP3 format to the chat radio show at gmail.com. We're going to play a little Karis Jordan. Um, I'm waiting on the MP3 of his new. his new single that's out. So we're going to play, mm-hmm. uh, let's play Dirty Game. Okay. You know, I start to live when I realize that you don't worry about what anyone says about you. You don't worry about the ridicule. You don't worry about the judgment or the rumors. When you stop thinking about what other people think about you, that's when you live. Yes. Life is such a dirty game, what a shame Many people chase the fame, I'm just trying to see the change So much pain, but won't complain, cause life is hard But every time you take a deep breath, it's a gift from God But my life, my life, as a child abused The same drugs that I slung, I watched my uncles use Rest in peace to the lost and forgotten The ones that's not here for you I would shed a tear, wishing you were somewhere near I represent for the ones that said they couldn't make it And to the non-believers that said you couldn't do or take it I live by no rules, no order, got a daughter And I will never let another man try to support her As long as I got two feet, I will hit these streets I will sell them drugs, I will sell my shoes I will sell my watch, I go back to the block Getting chased by the cops, I'm giving all that I got 
Well, I started out in 2006 writing a book that was loosely based on my life called Like Night and Day. And I initially signed with a major publisher for a two-book deal to release Like Night and Day and then the follow-up was done in the dark. But long story short, three years later, that didn't work out. So I ended up creating Rocky D Publishing and uh, pretty much self-publishing and even putting out a book for uh, another author um, under my publishing company. So, I mean, I, I I think that it was a blessing in disguise to be able to take the self-publishing route because I, I was fully capable of doing all the things that was necessary on my own, and that way I can keep a larger profit to reinvest in the company. Mm. I love it. Uh-huh. Now, you know, they talk about publishing, you know, a lot of people say it's a dying breed, um, and that authors are a dying breed and it's a dying industry. Um, what do you think about that? Because do you think that it's a dying industry and authors are a dying breed or the old way of publishing um, is what's dying and they have to have a new way to be able to maneuver through new times? What do you think about those? those options. I wouldn't say that it's dying. I would probably say that the market is saturated. Um, there's so much to pick from because it's so easy to create an ebook and just throw it on Amazon Kindle to be sold, you know, without taking all the other steps that you should put forth like editing and, you know, having a, a professional graphic artist do your covers. So the market is definitely saturated, and you definitely have to consider the uh, ebook point of view when even thinking about releasing a book. Because, like you said, back when when I first came out, I mean, I was shipping cases of books nationwide every month, and that ebook boom hit. And I swear, it's like you hard pressed to really get any paperback distribution. At least that's been my experience. So you have to start having dependent on the book fairs to sell those paperbacks and and, defend, and de- dependent on the e-books to carry some weight as well as, uh, you know, with the paperbacks. Because, like I said, paperbacks are a hard sell. Even when you're at the book fairs, you really have to sell that book. You know, unless you're a name that people know and they're going to follow regardless, um, then, yeah, you know, as a new author and even some established authors, you know, they want to know why they should support your work and you have to be able to sell it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, not that's a breed, but it's mm-hmm. a lot out there to pick from. And that's, that's so where true. the hustle comes in. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely mm-hmm. so true. And that's where the hustle comes in, being able to know. And I always say, you know, if the old, if the more seasoned authors really, really teach the newer authors, authors what that hustle is you do have some that have that hustle but you got some that don't know what the hustle is they think it's just sitting behind the computer then they're wondering why they books not selling but you got to get out there you got to hustle you know we love to watch mike and molly uh when it was on and so we always will pay, play the clip um if you've never seen the show mike and molly molly was an author and she went to a publisher and it was, I guess the publisher must have been more of a big mainstream publisher. And so he had her hyped up about the book and, you know, they thought the book was exciting. And so she was like, oh, my God, I'm be rich. Her and her family are excited. And so when they give her the book, the book is in a hardcover. 
It's not a paperback. It's a hardcover. So it was all pretty, and her picture was in color, and she was admiring the sweater she had on. She was just really excited. And um, he takes the book, and he throws it across the room, and she's like, wait a minute. But he told her, not only do you got to sell yourself, you got to sell this book, too. You know, and a lot of authors don't know exactly what that means. I don't think some of them know how um, to get out there and sell themselves to sell their book. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. tough. It's even tough for me sometimes to, um, I mean, I couldn't imagine an introvert person having to, to put themselves out there like that because, you know, you're going to get rejection. And some people, everything's not for everybody and you can't take it personally. You know, when I first started, I took every bad review, like, personally, like they were just talking about me, just me personally, and, and it hurt, you know, so I would get so pissed off. But actually, Michelle Moore is the person who, you know, told me, you can't take anything anybody say personally because everything's not for everybody. And whereas you might have one one person tell you your book sucks, you know, you got to focus on the people who love it and keep giving them what they want, you know, and that's some, like you said, the veterans, you know, give advice. I, I got tons of advice from tons of the seasoned authors, and, and I appreciate it because it really helped me on this journey. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. I really, that's so true. And also, this is Tony, and thanks again for joining us. But do you think the industry has been cheapened by sometimes, you know, these new authors come in and they think it's just an overnight success. They put a book out for 99 cents. They download it to Amazon. And they don't usually put the quality and the, and the quantity behind their pen, not like a graphic artist and true editing, like you said. But do you think that cheapens the industry at all? Yeah, I definitely do. Um, I mean, to each his own, but I would never put a 99-cent book out just because I put too much time and energy, blood, sweat, and tears into my books to -hmm. just put them out there for 99-cent, and then I care about what I put out. Like, before I do every single print run of my books, I get my book re-edited every single time because there is no Mm -hmm. such thing as an error-free book. So I want to make mine as error-free as I possibly can by taking the mm-hmm. initiative to keep checking it and making sure that, that whatever was missed is caught each time until it's as perfect as it can get. I mean, I take pride in my covers. Yeah, covers are expensive. You know, you mm-hmm. can't you, – well, you can because people just out here buying $50 covers, but that's not going to be the Rockety Publishing brand. I mean, even if – I sell less books by taking my time and doing everything right. It's just that's my character. I I have to make sure if my name is on it, then it's something that I can stand by and a product that I, as a reader, would be happy to purchase. Uh Absolutely. And and I have a question for you, though, because you're an author, you're a publisher, how if you could get and, and you've had both sides of the coin, you know you've been published at a at a at a publishing house and you've been self publishing. Can you, if you could give authors of today five jewels, what five jewels would you drop on them? First and foremost, I would say hire a professional editor. I can't say that as, as much. I can't say that enough. That could be all five jewels, okay? <laughs> because it's <laughs> crucial. Like, I mean, I'm one of those people that if I'm reading a book and the first couple pages I see a bunch of errors, I'm never going to finish that book. I'm just not. Mm-hmm. I can't read that. 
<laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of like it's insult to my intelligence. Like, I, I can't read this. So definitely invest in a professional editor. The The second one would be to never feel like you know so much that you can't listen to some advice because it's people, other authors that have had different experiences than you have, and you may run across some of those things. And if you can just listen and learn from others, then that might save you some heartache down the line. Uh, number three would be hire a professional lawyer, be, I mean a real lawyer, before you sign any contract with any publishing company. Make sure that your best interest, as much as a publishing company going to allow, is being being what's focused on. And uh, number four, ooh, I, I'm a cover girl, so I would say make sure that you have a professional cover, something that you would want to purchase if you saw it sitting on the shelf at Barnes & Noble. And the last thing I would say, hmm, invest in your craft. I mean, buy buy programs or whatever whatever it is that can help your writing easier, whatever book fairs you can travel to to get your name out there. I don't care if you break even. Go to the book fairs, get your name out there nationwide, and, and just don't give up on what you love to do. I guess that was yeah. the sixth one I snuck in there to don't give up. But <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. Now, your Those latest are some book great is, jewels. Exactly. I mean, and that's stuff that they need, though. They're going to need those jewels for something. Mm-hmm. They're going to need to put that in their little knapsack and hold on to that real tight. Because yep. it's, you know, she says the industry is satur- saturated, and it is, but that just means that you have to hustle harder. And you have to mm-hmm. know what you know because you know it. You have to understand the industry in order to move around the industry. Because there's books coming out. Every day, there's an author born every day. And so in mm-hmm. order for you to stay relevant, in order for you to be able to move around in this industry, you have to know what it is you're doing. You have to have an understanding. And I think that's part of the problem um, that a lot of independent publishers, they don't know um, the industry like they should. And a lot of authors mm-hmm. don't know the industry like they should. You know what I'm saying? And so people get frustrated, but if you look at Penguin, if you look at all those big sixes, they're moving around. They're moving around and they're adjusting to the new way things need to be. And I think sometimes, Uh and I tell people all the time, you have to watch people. Like when you want to know how to move around, you watch an author that's seasoned. I tell clients that all the time. Watch a seasoned author. You want to know how to interact on, on social media? Watch a seasoned author. Watch how they interact. Watch how they do what they do. You want to know how they go from event to event? Watch how they move. Watch how Absolutely. they interact with with people at events. So that helps you to learn what you need to do. Yeah, continue That's to do right. that, too. I mean, at the Hustle and Grind, I watched Quan. I watched Blacktop. I mean, they were on the side of the room I was on, and I did exactly that. I watched how they moved, and I picked up tips from them and how they got, you know, people to come and check out their work. So you definitely write about that. And then also, if you want repeat customers, you have to put out a quality product. You have to. Mm-hmm. You might get somebody one time, but once they see what that is and if it's not right, then they're not coming back to check out no more of your work. That's right. 
And also those those repeat customers is that word of mouth. Those those mm-hmm. that's how you work develop legs and spread throughout even further than you can even imagine. Yes, yes, because I got invited the first time to go to a book signing in St. Louis because somebody told a bookstore owner in St. Louis how good my first book was. And that made her order it, and then she read it. And next thing you know, that's like every time I drop something, I go there first. I'm working on dropping a cookbook now, and I just was saying to myself, I'm going to have to go down to St. Louis and see Ms. Vanessa as soon as this book is ready. (laughs) And we were just talking about that. You know, I always ask what you got cooking in your creative kitchen. And she said, I got a cookbook (laughs) cooking in my creative kitchen. Tell us about the cookbook and and how the whole idea to have a cookbook um, put out came about. Because that is really... That's really thinking outside of the book. Yes, and that's what I was actually trying to do. But I've always been the family cook. So all the holiday dinners, I'm the. this is my house that gets wrecked for all the holiday dinners. So I love to cook first and foremost. So when I was writing my book, of course, that was naturally incorporated into it. My characters would cook meals that's similar to what I would cook on a regular basis. So, um mm-hmm. Which is kind of weird because I don't know if people actually had any characters cooking in the books. I don't think I read too many books where somebody was cooking dinner, but that's just the fat girl in me, I guess. My characters <laughs> got to eat. <laughs> I know that's right. <laughs> so I started getting asked at different uh, venues and book signings um, for my recipes from some of the stuff that the character uh, Goldie was cooking in the Like Night and Day trilogy. And and that's what really lit the light bulb in my head when when several people started asking me about those recipes. I was like, you know what? If you wanted to do something different, a cookbook. It's not too many urban fiction writers who are putting out cookbooks, if any. So that's what started it all. And the book is actually titled Goldie's Goodies because it's really uh, based off the food that the character Goldie would cook in the trilogy. So, But it's also packed with a lot of funny stories and things that I learned with my grandmother cooking me at, um, teaching me how to cook as a child. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just a little different. It's five uh, entrees, five sides, five desserts, five uh, cocktails that are custom made. And then now that I'm trying to live a healthier lifestyle, that's the holdup. I'm going to go ahead and create five healthy recipes to throw in there as well. Wow. That's awesome. I mean, this is, um, Tony, tell us how your your approach to this cookbook is similar or different from your approach to writing your novels. Well, the approach to the cookbook was a lot easier because these recipes are things that I've been cooking my whole life. So, And, and it's not, no guesswork. I already know what it is. I know what ingredients I need. I may not know mm-hmm. the uh, quantities because I don't, of course, measure seasoning as I'm cooking. So that, that mm-hmm. was the research that I had to do to perfect the recipes in the books. But but the the hard part was done. I already knew what the recipes were going to be. So it mm-hmm. was just taking the time to sit down and write it and format it and come up with a concept as far as, you know, me putting stories in there as well as just the recipes. So that was that was way easier than actually writing a book because writing a book even if the book is about you, you still have to sit there and, and you, a lot of people do outlines. Sometimes I do an outline. Sometimes I just freestyle. But but you have to have those thoughts come to you at a rapid pace. You know, and sometimes they come so rapid you can't even keep up with the keyboard and you lose stuff. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you think it's mm-hmm. too fast. 
But um, but yeah, a book is way more a regular uh, book is way more work than this cookbook because, like I said, I have to do an outline. I have to have a, a whole thought process. Whereas with the cookbook, mm-hmm. this just comes naturally. Mhm. Wow. Now this is still Tony. I love to cook, and I'm a cookbook junkie. You know, I read my cookbooks like a novel. I use it like every other book. <laughs> I start from page one. <laughs> oh, so I God, love I love cookbooks. <laughs> Yeah, I have a, quite a few. Come looking at my bookshelf now, and I have a whole shelf full of cookbooks. Mm-hmm. See, wow. see, y'all just be showing off. <laughs> <laughs> I got this double got oven, to- but every time she come in town, she know my oven is your oven. <laughs> Whatever you want oh. to do in there, hunty, go ahead. <laughs> That I mean, she already lovely. has the ingredients for me when I get down there. She says, tea, everything oh is God, in there. No. <laughs> you just help Y'all yourself. She makes these, <laughs> make these pancakes. They be like perfect circles. And I'm like, uh-uh. I make a pancake. It be all over the place. It don't be a perfect <laughs> circle. The batter don't be too thick. It don't be too thin. I be like, uh, it'll just be just brown. And it don't, it's right. golden brown. I'm like. With the earbuds, you know with everything. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I call her wife one child. Uh-uh. <laughs> she cracks me up. <laughs> so tell us what we can expect um, in, your, in a, your, a new book outside of your cooking book. Do you well, got any I'm new books coming? On- Yes, I'm working on a book uh, that's actually uh, take off from uh, from one of the uh, anthologies that I was featured in, and mm. just like my book Murder Mitten was in B. I'm from the D as a short story, and I finished it off to be a, a full length book. I'm doing the same thing with uh, my novel Promiscuous Girl that was in the Soaking Wet uh, anthology that I was featured in. So that's what I'm currently working on now. Um, And I'm also working on my first attempt at writing a TV show. I just wrapped on season one and I'm starting, Mm -hmm. uh, me and my partner starting season two of a TV show called Hustlers uh, with a Z that we are going to be shopping around to some of the major networks pretty soon. So Follow uh, us on Instagram and Facebook, Hustlers with a Z, and we would really appreciate that because um, TV is is what I'm really starting to fall in love with. The whole writing process with the television show pulled me in. Mhm. Mm-hmm. That sounds interesting. You have to make sure you come back and share with us when that gets um, when that develops legs and starts to run away with you. Definitely will, definitely will, and and I'm I'm coming up with a couple of more TV ideas, but I also have another book idea in my head that I'm I'm a little nervous about it because I've never written anything like it before, and um, so I, I'm sitting on it, but I, I am working on an outline for that as well. Um, so I mean, I still love my books. I still read. I, I bought you know just as many books at the Hustle and Grind as I sold actually. <laughs> So I'm a reader first, <laughs> then an author. I know. Lisha gets that buying bug as well when she goes to these fairs that um, she even has to buy a suitcase to send the books home. Um, <laughs> I, I, stopped t- I even stopped telling authors to uh, make the books out to me. 
I'll say, just sign your name and say thank you, and we'll give it away on the show. <laughs> That's a great idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is a really and, good idea, yeah. And she got lots to give away. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I do. I have, like, cases of books forever, for life. <laughs> Out here, just but you know, and I do. I give them away. Like um, we went to Texas, and I was shipping the books back that I had bought, and um, I went into like the UPS store, and um, I just gave the girl three books, and when she sent me the books, she sent me snacks in my box in the in the card. I was like, oh, that was so nice. But people appreciate stuff like that. They appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm still stuck on you were shipping your books. Like, oh, my God, you bought that many books that you sent up here at the UPS shipping your books back? Girl, yes, yes. Did. I ain't had no room in my luggage, so I had to send the shit. I had to ship the books oh back home God. so I could have the books. And so I just gave her three books that I had got at the event. She was appreciative, but, yeah, child, when I went wow. to the um, – we went to New York <laughs> – to the book to the, the book event book. there, I had to get a uh I had to go get a whole nother suitcase because it got heavy carrying them books. Wow. <laughs> mhm. And that's that's I can attest one. to that. I see a lot of people with the uh, suitcases on wheels. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> but that's good. That, so that right there tells you it's not a dying breed because people exactly. are still coming out to these fairs with suitcases to carry back their books. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that's true. That's a now good thing. I have a question for you. Out out of everything you've done in the industry, what has been the most difficult thing for you, um, being an author and a publisher? I would say publishing others uh work. Because Dealing with the personalities and sometimes egos of of other authors, it can be difficult because, you know, I'm a creative person and, and I get it. You know, people, creative people normally don't like you messing with their stuff. I mean, I was irritated so bad when uh, the company I had signed with started editing my first book. I mean, I, I knew it wasn't going to work then because they started changing mm-hmm. everything. And I'm like, this is my story. That's not how it happens. You know, so I get it. But sometimes mm-hmm. as an author, you do have to step back and allow your publisher to do what they know best, you know. And I see that now in retrospect. I mean, this was the world's leading seller of urban fiction, and I'm sitting here trying to tell their editor that they're not doing a good job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so, yeah, you have to step back and let that publisher do what's been working for them all this, this time and let them sell your work, but at the same time, don't compromise your work to the point where it's not recognizable, you know, because if if that's not what they wanted, then just get another book, but don't, I would never let somebody change my book so much that it don't even seem like it's my book no more, but I I would definitely say the most difficult thing is publishing other people. It's Mm -hmm. it's so hard because they have Mm -hmm. a lot of expectations they think the publisher is supposed to sell their book. And, and that's the last thing uh, on the publisher's agenda. It's like, as an author, you're supposed to sell your book. You have to sell, you mm-hmm. have to push your own book. 
it's not mm-hmm. on the publisher to do all the work to get this book in production, and then you want me to sit out here and sell it for you as well? No, it doesn't work mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. That's so Absolutely. important. Uh, Renata. Yes, this is Tony. You know, I so agree because as an editor myself, the one thing that I try not to do is take away the author's voice, take away their their vision, because their readers are already familiar with their pen. And when you start making this, when I if I was to start making a story in mine, then it's not I'm not doing my job. So you want to mm-hmm. enhance and and just bring out the best of an author's pen, but at the same time, the one thing you don't want to do is take away that that author's voice. And as Absolutely. a publisher, sometimes, you know, I'm not taking away your voice by no any means. I'm just saying your voice ain't right right here. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you either need to switch it up or you need to take it or we're going to take that out. But something got to happen right here because <laughs> it ain't right. <laughs> but now I ain't taking your voice. I'm just letting you know that right here, whatever you're saying is not working right here. And mm-hmm. so we going to either have to rewrite that, reword that, rethink that, or just take it all now, put it to the side. It might fit somewhere else in the book because, you know, everything in the book is like a puzzle. What, what mm-hmm. doesn't fit in Chapter 3 may fit in Chapter 17. You don't know. So don't, I don't mm-hmm. say delete your stuff. Put it to the side. It might fit somewhere else perfectly. It just don't fit right there. <laughs> yep, yep. That's so true. That is so true. I don't delete anything, like nothing. I've gone back and taken things that I've taken out and put them later on in the story. So that is absolutely true. Mhm. <laughs> now, when you sit down to write your books, do you have a writing schedule because you publish books at the same time? So do you have like a writing schedule like you I'm putting my books out here, I'm writing here? And then I can think of my work on their books here. Yes. Um, I, I, especially when I was putting out, you know, books every year, I definitely stuck to a strict schedule where it was certain times of the day, every day would be my days to sit down and write. And even if nothing came out, I would sit there for that full time and, and try to, to make it happen, you know. So, I think that's kind of important as a writer. You know, you really need to write every day because it's so easy to just not write and one day turns into a year and you haven't written in a year. Like, you know, and that's happened to me. So I definitely think you have to have a schedule and you have to stick to it and and you have to know when you're going to write at what times and how long and have a goal. How much do you would you like in a perfect world? How many chapters would you have liked to got finished each day? Mm-hmm. Wow. And within and that I'll schedule, like that. Anita, do you have like rituals that you have? Like you have to have a diet Pepsi or some Oreo cookies or a bag of Twizzlers. Is there something that you have to have beside you as you pour out those words onto your paper? A glass of red wine is always nice to All have right for now. me. <laughs> Yeah, to, to get my relaxation on and, and let me be able to get in the zone. And, mm-hmm. you know, my I do have a bad habit of I cannot turn off my phone. And that's the one thing as a writer I'm sure all authors can relate to is, is nothing worse than you being in a zone and somebody blowing your phone up. And then when you answer and tell them you in the zone, they say, okay, but did you know something? You're like, wait a minute. <laughs> did I just say I'm in a zone? Shut up. I don't want to hear it. So... Yeah, that that's the worst. <laughs> mhm. Mm. Now here on the chat, 
Go ahead, see. <laughs> now I was gonna say, kind of like you, the good person, the bat on your shoulders, like turn that phone off. <laughs> I know, I know. It's hard to turn your phone off when you got kids, though. Right. Uh, and how do you balance no, that? How do you learn. balance? How do you balance books, publishing, and family? It's it's almost impossible. Something always has to give. That's what's taking me so long to put this cookbook and promiscuous girl out is because I was working, you know, more on the TV show than the book thing, and then family stuff came into play, and and it's just it's really hard, and, and I don't really have an answer to how to manage all of that because I'm not managing it as good as I would like to, you know. So I'm still trying to learn the best way to manage it all. And then now I've incorporated a healthier lifestyle, so I have to work out five days a week for an hour, and that's just some another task, you know. So mm-hmm. it's rough. Yeah. You have to stay motivated, and you have to do You just have to do it. It, it sounds, you know, corny, but you really do just have to do it. You know, you can't talk mm-hmm. about it. You got to just put in the work and get whatever you need done done. I write a lot of lists. I have a list for everything, and I cross it off as it's done. Mm-hmm. That helps. Yes. Absolutely. Now, here on Let's Chat, we always like to do something fun, and T always comes up with these fun questions. Um, I know this, you know, you've been here more than once, so you're no longer a guest, yeah. so I'm not going to tell you to clutch your pearls. I'm just <laughs> say, get ready. I'm going to sit drink. back and see what she got for you. <laughs> well, once again, Renee, thank you so much for joining me and Alicia tonight here on Let's Chat. We so appreciate you carving a little bit of your time and sharing it with us and our listening audience. But I'm going to kind of wrap everything that you've shared with us tonight and try to bring it to a head. Now, as everyone knows, this is prom season, and that's all I've been seeing is prom and prom poses and everything. So I'm going to take a little bit of your cookbook skills, and we're going to just make a little bit of scene. So we're going to use all those multiple talents that you have, cookbooks, movie screens, <laughs> writing. So I want you to make it a grown and sexy night, and you're trying to get your well, your character. We're going to take your leading character from your book. It's trying to get asked out on a prom, and we just want you a grown and sexy prom, not necessarily high school, but a grown and sexy prom date. And we want you to just put it down in the kitchen, make this man say yes, what you're going to do, how you're going to lay it out. Just give it to us. We love hearing our guests' creative juices just flow instantaneous. Well, I won't be lazy and just go to Ruth's Chris, which is what I really would want to do. But I would just keep it traditional old school, you know, candlelight, uh, red wine, table fully decorated, lights dimmed, and I probably, well, what I would cook would be based on the, the man, actually, because it would have to be something that, that he enjoys. Um, everything I cook is good, so, I mean, I had to toot my own horn really quick, but it really is, so it wouldn't even matter what I cooked, because <laughs> it's going to be good, but I would definitely bake a cheesecake for dessert. Who can say mm-hmm. no to a cheesecake? And, and of course, you've got to throw some lingerie in there because, you know, that's what the men like. That's, that's the easiest way to get them to say yes to, to whatever it is you're trying to, to get from them. And, um, and I would just keep it real traditional and sexy and, and act that way. Oh, all right. Now, there you go. 
the way to a man's heart is through his stomach, I guess. <laughs> yes, yes. And my, my roasting potatoes would probably be a good pick because that's the one recipe everybody asks for the most. Mm-hmm. Now, see, we're going to have to be one. We want the first ones off the, the, the press. Right. So I'm gotta... like, well, what's in this cookbook? I'm going to need, yeah, I'm gonna need <laughs> the first yes. copy. Yes. I want to send you guys some copies. Of some, y'all going to be the first two people to have a cookbook. <laughs> Now, let me put that on my list because I will Child, Renita wrote a book, and um, I I took it out her cookbook. What cookbook? The cookbook that you're going to get next month. Absolutely. That's the way to develop it. It's so simple. It's simple recipes that taste like you've been slaving over a stove all day long. That'll work. (laughs) That will work. Yeah, I got to get my copy as soon as you're done. I'm going to need you to see. Mm-hmm. The kid's about to be out a whole summer. I'm going to need you to get your life. <laughs> Look, let me just tell you how much I need to get my life. My kids are grown and have kids. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I thought they were little kids. Uh, no, they're 27 and 26. Okay. <laughs> they don't even live with me. <laughs> I just got a lot going on. Uh huh. Well, please put me and Leisha on that list of yours. Send cookbooks. I just wrote it down. <laughs> I literally just wrote it on my master list of all the stuff because I got a whole bunch of different lists, but the master list is the biggest one. Yeah, we Absolutely. made it to the master list. P high five. Boom. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Renita, we so appreciate you coming to kick it with us here in the chat room. You know, you are welcome back anytime. We want you to shout out all of your social media handles and where everybody can get your books. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure, as always, chatting with you ladies. Um, You can find my books at www.rocky, R-O-C-K-Y, the letter D is in dog, publishing.com. You can get um, all of your uh, Kindle or Nook, you know, from those devices. My books are available. Um, My social media, everything is my name, Renita, R-E-N-I-T-A. M is in Michelle Walker, and that's on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And um, I think I I covered everything. Look out for uh, the TV show Hustlers, uh, hopefully coming to, to one of these major networks soon. Um, and be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook, as well as my author page, Renita M. Walker, on Facebook. Thanks so much for having me, ladies. It was a pleasure. It was our pleasure as well. Thanks again, Renita. <laughs> You're welcome. Have a great night. You, you too. too. We you. appreciate you. Thanks. You're welcome. That was awesome, Lisa. I had a good time with her. <laughs> Absolutely. I can't wait to get that cookbook. See, now when you come, Girl. I'm going to be like, you're going to say, what's this? Page 35 of Renita's book. Oh, that's page 35? <laughs> Let me find out you're cooking, girl. <laughs> I'll be trying to do a little something-something. I'll be trying to do a little something-something. I ain't got on Tony level yet, y'all. But I, I, I could cook uh, enough to make to put some smiles on folks' face, so... I ain't got Tony level yet where people be begging me to cook something, but I could put a smile on or two on the face. (laughs) That's a good thing. 
Absolutely. You are listening to Let's Chat. I'm Miss Alicia. You know I got my right hand, and most of the time she is my left, the fabulous Miss Tony. We are talking that talk today about straight out of publishing. We had the fabulous Renita M. Walker. If you missed her interview, no worries. Just go back and check out our archives here on blogtalk.com. You can also check us out on any podcast app. Just look us up, search Let's Chat with Miss Tony and Alicia, and our shows will pop up 201, 202, mm. I'm sorry. Mm. And, wow. Uh, <laughs> or you can check us out on iTunes as well. We appreciate everybody always tuning in. We have our next fabulous guest. This is the fabulous Sylvia Hubbard. Welcome, welcome, <laughs> welcome. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> Hi, Sylvia. Congratulations Thank you so on the engagement. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It was a surprise. So, yeah, it was cool. Congrats, congrats. Well, thanks for joining us tonight. Oh, no problem. It's an honor. It's really an honor to be here. So I'm kind of, I'm really happy, really happy to be here. So I was like, I saw your show, like I've been listening off and on and I was like, uh, I want to be on the show, but then I was like, no, I'll wait, I'll wait. And then when she asked me, I was like, oh, my God, does she know my thoughts? (laughs) (laughs) What are you waiting for? All you have to say is, Leisha, I I need to, I got some things I want to say. I need to get up on there. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. It always sounds like y'all having, like, a really good time. Like, y'all just... It just sounds like two girlfriends talking on the phone and you, like, eavesdropping on their conversation. Like, oh, should I be listening to this? You know, like, you ain't no telling what you going to hear on here. Yeah, ain't no telling what you going to hear on here. We could be talking about something, anything, honey. Right. That's what it sounds like. Just like, oh, should I be listening to this? Did I get clicked into the wrong conversation? <laughs> Yeah, you are now, for welcome. all of those that do not know your fabulous pen, tell everybody a little bit about yourself and your literary journey. Um, well, I've been, I guess I've been published, independent published since 2000. I've written over 40 urban, dark romance, uh, high suspense books. Um, you can always check me out on sylviahubbard.com. I'm always writing, um, always marketing, always publishing I think it's like a cycle every day. I just keep pumping it out. So, and I just love the literary community, especially in Detroit. Um, I'm founder of Small Town Writers Network, which is a literary organization in Michigan that helps writers get to their literary goals, and we connect readers to Michigan authors. Mm, that sounds right. Good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We still, well, I started it kind of like a a selfish endeavor because back in like 2000 a lot of authors weren't telling like how to publish books and if they did Mm -hmm. you had to buy their stuff in order Mm -hmm. to find out how and even then you weren't really finding out like exactly how to do it so Mm -hmm. what I did was like I created Motown Writers Network as a way to interview authors and I would interview authors and then tell all their business for an interview (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was like, I don't got to pay for anything. I just, 
Right. I just get a free feature and everything. It was like, oh, okay. Well, this is even better. So I started that, and then it started really catching on. People were listening to the interviews. People were reading the interviews, you know, and, and checking out the spotlights. And more and more people just started saying, hey, can I be a part of your network? And, hey, can mm-hmm. I join? And I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess I'm running an organization. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and sometimes when you so, hear people talk, you ain't no telling what's going to come out of their mouths. Right. You you really learn a lot, like Renita was saying, you really learn a lot by listening to like what others have gone through, um, mm-hmm. what others have learned from their lessons. So you learn, you know, they ate mud, so you learn not to eat mud. You're like, oh, okay, well, I listen to that. Um, I wish mm-hmm. a lot of other authors, like especially newer authors now, would do the same thing, just really start listening to the older authors to say, hey, right. I'm not going through that because a lot of the new authors come to me after they are either broke or they've signed a bad deal or they don't know what to do. They they spent all this money and now they don't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. Coming to so, you after the fact. After the fact, you know, instead of like, hey, get out there and um, educate yourself. Like even if you were you had a book out and you you weren't you didn't have a vendor table at the husband grind, you know, I was telling authors go out there and see what other authors are doing. How are they setting up their tables? How are they marketing themselves? How are they, you know, talking with their audience? You know, get out there and converse because you can't do what they're doing unless you really get out there and see what they're doing. Mhm. That's so true. And and I love that. I'm not sure how much you heard uh, Renita's interview, but you know, even she was watching the the um, more seasoned authors the way they moved, and and that's mm-hmm. so important for you, to, you know, to to continue to learn. Right. It's always a it's always a learning experience. You never know too much, and a lot of people do tell me they were like, oh, so you know everything, and I was like, no, I. I will still sit in a class or I will still ask, you know, someone, you know, I know who's an expert in a certain niche or field or, or genre on how to do things. You know, I'm still out there mm-hmm. learning because I want to, I want to do better by being better. So right. I just, I'm always out there learning. Hmm. And that's why we, we, I titled this show straight out of publishing because all three of you have been in the industry before ebooks came about when it was really a mm-hmm. hustle um, to get yourself out there, get your books sold, right. and, and create a fan base and a connection with bookstores. Now, right. what would you say the most difficult thing is when it comes down to um, getting authors to connect with um readers the most difficult thing is them uh opening up their mouth <laughs> um <laughs> you, you, you closed mouths don't get fed <laughs> as my mama mm-hmm. used to say <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's and it's not about saying buy my book buy my book buy my book it's about the way they're 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 not saying things to readers, you know, mm-hmm. um, asking for reviews or, you know, saying, hey, you like that book, then refer it to other people, you know, going out there and saying, hey, I'm doing this. Um, I think you said a really good line. I love that you said, um, uh, think outside the book. That was like, mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. because you really have to take the whole book as a whole and then kind of market around that, be the platform to that book, be the, be the pathway to that book without just saying outright by my book. And a lot of authors have trouble with that in order to get readers to read their book, because like you said, the, the market is saturated. Literally mm-hmm. there are close to 200,000 books being published a month. Wow. And that's a lot of competition out there <laughs> just on a monthly basis and, and just all around. But you can do it if you're getting out there and actually talking about your platform, your marketing brand, and and just about the, the process of writing. Readers are, are really interested in that, and writers hardly ever talk about, like, just the whole writing writing thing. I found that readers are very fascinated about the whole process of just mm-hmm. how did you come up with that idea? How did you make it happen? How did you come up with that character? You know, they love hearing about that, especially if you wrote a really good book, which you should be doing in the first place. Right. That's so right. true. And that's what Alicia and I love about our show because we give authors a platform and we do get to hear the process and, and we've developed such a respect for the for the art because of all those that have come through the doors of the chat room and just to hear their passion and what it is yeah. what inspires them, you know, what drives mm-hmm. them. And and it's yes. it's, it's a wonderful thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think the two things that they have difficulty with is pitching their book, understanding that what what a pitch is is not throwing right. up the synopsis, um, and actually writing a synopsis that says "by me." You know, I always right. tell authors when you are at an event, lead with the drama. They go through the long, drawn out, boring part, and then they leave right. out the drama part. The whole thing of telling the uh, the reader about your book is to draw them in and make them want to buy it. So you got to lead with the drama first. If you lead with the right. drama first, they're going to be like, what? What? <laughs> Girl, I got to get that. Because you led with the drama, you left all the other stuff out. Right. Because it's like, it was funny because I had like two books and one was one of my, actually one of my first books I had written and at the Hustle and Grind. And it was funny because I can pitch this book like off the top of my head because it was like my, my how to get out there and really pitch a book and don't be scared about it. (laughs) Because I would be at Christian events pitching this book. (laughs) <laughs> but it was about it was called stealing innocence and it's about a woman raping a man. So like oh. literally when people walk up to the table I'd be like they'd be like, Well, what's this book about? I'd be like, Oh, it's just about a woman raping a man and they'd be like, Ooh <laughs> And what happens? <laughs> Talk about okay, here's drama. the money. They don't even they won't even ask. They just Okay, thank right. you. Hey. <laughs> like, so so she just let it so he just let this happen. I mean, how did she go about it? Was he sleep? Was See? He, it's a like lot of questions. That's why you have to get the book. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. Now, when it comes down to writing synopsis, everybody knows that, uh, you know, authors, all authors, I'm not going to say just new authors, have a hard time mm-hmm. getting that synopsis written. What are five jewels you would drop 
for those that are having difficulties writing their synopsis to make that process a little easier for them? Well, the first major thing, I usually tell authors kind of like a metaphor, kill the cat and then explain what it was about. (laughs) And in that terms of get to the good part and then, you know, get their, you know, eyebrows to raise and then, you know, ease on into, okay, and this is why this happens. And it draws people in, like you said, immediately. And number mm-hmm. two, always write, and I always say always write in third person. I've seen people write their synopsis as a, uh, well, I wrote this book because of this, and I'm, I'm like, ooh, no, don't, <laughs> don't do that. I've seen a lot <laughs> mm-hmm. of that lately, and it's just starting to annoy my soul. <laughs> Wait, she said and I know. Oh, oh, that's deep. <laughs> You know, when you read something and you like, mm, like it put a bad taste in your, ooh, uh-uh. <laughs> That's oh, your yes. soul, like, shifting, like, ooh, no, ooh. <laughs> That's Three, if you really don't know how to do it or how to express it, you either go to Amazon and see, like, those taglines your readers have absolutely put up there to help you tell you about the book, you know, take those and use them in your, your synopsis because they found the gems that you didn't know you had. Trust your readers because they know what, mm. what, what was in that book and they'll tell you, they'll tell you right out. Oh, this was good. Oh, I love this scene. You know, go to that and start, start with that scene of the book and that drew them in and use that. A lot of mm-hmm. authors be like, well, I want to start at the beginning. No, don't start at the beginning. Let's start off like just getting there. Raise some eyebrows. So trust your mm-hmm. readers to to give you the answers. Ask the readers. Like I said, closed mouths don't get fed. You got to really ask the readers, what did you like about the book? <clears throat> don't, mm-hmm. be, don't be afraid of what they're going to come back with. Sometimes the worst part of the book is the best part to talk about. I learned that in my book Dark Facade a lot of people didn't like the way because it was kind of like a master slave kind of thing and a lot of people were like ain't no black woman gonna let no man do this to her and I was like okay let's start with that (laughs) (laughs) starting point right there (laughs) let's start with that line (laughs) and take it from there take it from there so so yeah, sometimes the worst is the best part. Hey, work it how you want it. Um, mm-hmm. and number five, keep reworking that synopsis. Don't just you know, it it'll it'll go for so long, but then you can always rework it. You know, don't people say, Well, well that's what's out there and I've seen people pitch the same book with the same synopsis year after year after year after year and then Mm-hmm. Can't figure out why they can't sell a book. Hmm. Rework it. Keep going. Go back to it. Do it again. Even if it is a good synopsis, you can still make it better and sell mm-hmm. more books. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people get hung up on, okay, this is the this is what the synopsis is going to be. I'm going to leave it like that for years and years and years and years. Go back, mm-hmm. rework it, make it better, sell more books. 
that's true. And you know, Sylvia, sometimes when guests come on our show, Alicia and I will ask them, well, tell us about your book, and it'll be like they're reading their synopsis. That's not what we want. We want to hear your your lib. We want to hear you freestyle and let our listeners know what the what it is about you know your book because they can always go on Amazon and read a synopsis or whatever or, or pick right. it up in a bookstore. We want to hear your passion about how you feel about your book. All right. Yeah, I just, I mean, for me, for my books, number one, I love taking the what you thought couldn't happen, could happen, and it did happen in my book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like, my current book, Beautiful, it just, it turned into this monster of a, a, a medical drama that I was like, wow, this is just awesome. I didn't know you could mix erotic and medical together. And make it look mm-hmm. good. <laughs> wow! So See, I, now I, you got us interested. You got to tell us well, about right. it. Right? I'm like, child, what was they doing up in there? What was they doing in there? Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. I was like, I was a lot of times. I guess it was like, you know, once Snapchat really started being big, I was looking at like, you know, I think it was like when this thing came out about like how many people take selfies, like all these selfies that were being taken. And then the personas of the selfies, people who take this many selfies, you know, they really are under, you know, underconfident, blah, blah, blah. And then they were talking about, you know, just beauty in the 21st century. Then we're going through this natural hair movement and, you know, just people trying to find beautiful outside in the world. And I was like, well, okay, say that you have this girl who just trying to find beautiful everywhere. And then she ends up losing everything that she valued on the that she valued internally in order mm-hmm. to find this beautiful then how do you find it back so it was just her journey into that and she ends up falling in love with two brothers at the same time <laughs> oh that's right <laughs> <laughs> And then I was like, wow, let's just make it even more, like, just awesome. <laughs> so it just kept building and building. And um, I, I sometimes, like, I, I write my books like I, I build a house. Like, you have all these windows and doors, and you, you open the windows and doors to, you know, everywhere to build and create and everything. And then by the time the end of the book comes, I try to close all my windows and doors. You know, mm-hmm. and sometimes I just open up doors I shouldn't have opened up. Mm. <laughs> You're like, okay, how did I get in this room? Wow. I got to get myself out. Lord. Yeah, that's why. It was crazy because when I first started writing, it wasn't, it wasn't a lot of people who were into suspense. Everybody was into, mm-hmm. like, the urban. Everybody wanted the, the ghetto girl, meet the drug dealer, and so forth. But I was a ghetto girl because I grew up in Detroit. <laughs> and I'm just like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't fathom myself ending up with a drug dealer. I've seen them. They don't have teeth. So I just don't have <laughs> no Girl, <laughs> right? And so I always like, say, I was, 
difference between uh, a drug dealer, like a street drug dealer, and like a narco, uh-huh. when you think of like El Chapo, those are two different type of drug dealers. They are, they are two those are two different types. They got two different types of levels and money flow coming in. It's just a totally different thing. You totally a different thing. Right, but people, <laughs> they, they think of it, they don't think of it as um, in that capacity they think of right. a, a drug dealer being having all this money but my thing is if you're not making money like El Chapo and them where you got to burn your money or you got to put it up somewhere I mean not in the bank but I mean you, you. got to need a whole building to store it then you're not making no right. money you're not really making no money you just you really just a hustler um exactly. drug dealer so it's like I would just read these books and then they'd be like, oh, yeah, she was a ghetto girl and her mom was on welfare and she got with the the drug dealer in the neighborhood. I was like, have they seen the drug dealer in the neighborhood? You know, that's all I could be. I just be disgusted, like, ew, uh uh, he don't even get his nails done. Have you seen him? Oh, Jesus. His toes, like, oh, that's just good and tacky. Nothing glorified He wore like two weeks in the road that could stand on his own. Like, uh uh-uh, uh, oh. no. <laughs> we just came. And so, like, I was like, I wanted to write books about that ghetto girl, um, not just getting out the ghetto, but just actually meeting a man who, who loved, who knew how to love, like, just that hard, uh uh-uh, uh, I'm gonna I'm a just eat you up, love. <laughs> just down and out and you know we just trying to claw to the top 
And, and, and we want that love. We want that true love that is unbinding, unconditional, and and just, you know, we feel it even when we're not around him. So right. I was like, I'm going to write books like that. I'm going to write books where, you know, yes, yeah, she changed, she's changing her life. But, and it's not because of him. It's because of what her passion and what her soul wants. But with him and that love, you know, things are going to come out to a happily ever after. So mm-hmm. I I end up, like, a lot of times because uh, my dad is a chemist, my mom's an educator, and my sister's a pharmacist. Uh, that's where the suspense element always comes in because I'm usually killing somebody, trying to kill somebody, <laughs> <laughs> on the way to kill somebody. <laughs> And then in between that, they fall in love. So, yeah, that's why I usually say it's like an urban, high suspense, dark romance. Because I just, I love all three elements. And I always, like, get frustrated when I read a really good suspense, but it didn't have a romance element. Or I read a really good romance, and it don't have, like, that dark, murky love kind of element, but with that suspense twist. And then I read an urban, and I'm just like, come on, <laughs> really? <laughs> Give me something. <laughs> so, <laughs> Okay, so we like to do stuff fun here on Let's Chat. We like to have our, we like to have authors give us live um, excerpts. Like, we want to hear okay. a live excerpt, right? And so T mm-hmm. always does it. I'm going to do it this time, T. I'm going to do it this time. I'm going to see. You tell me how good I'm going to do. I'm going to try okay. it because she always do a good one. Like, I be have to tell but, people uh, to put the pearls now because they ain't going to tell them what she's going to ask you. But I'm, I'm going to attempt to do it. So let me think. I'm going to give you a prop. Okay. Let's see. I'm, I'm going to give you a prop. I'm going to give you two props, matter of fact. I'm going to give you two props. I'm going to give you okay. a block of ice, a block of hot ice, and candle wax. And I want you to take those two props and apply them into one of your favorite scenes. Oh, my goodness. <clears throat> Okay, so I would probably have to take a scene between Madison and, and the brothers. And, you know, she's always walking in this hotel room, and both of them are in there. And usually one is giving her one, and one is giving her something else. So mm-hmm. when she walks into the hotel room this time, you know, both of them are, are sitting there with a the towel on only. And beside one of them is block of hot ice, and the other one is the lot this huge candle that's been burning for a while. So um, when she comes in, um, Jason tells her to take her clothes off completely, and he approaches her with the candle, and mm-hmm. he's real tall, so he holds the candle like above her. And as he's, like, drawing her in for a kiss, she can feel, like, the hot wax going down her back, like, real warm by the time it gets on her skin. 
and then it goes all the way down over her butt, and he's, like, clawing it off as it dries up and everything. So it's like he's kissing her, rubbing her, and just pouring this wax all over the back of her body. So she's getting this warm, like, hot feeling all over the back of her. And then, you know, um, Jamar comes up, and Jason steps away, and, you know, he grabs her from behind and with, like, some uh, cool water when, you know, he pulls her over to where the hot ice is, and, like, he can pour the water on it, and it makes this cool steam, like, just flow over the front of her body and he's just taking his hands and arousing her all over her body and that's how that starts oh wow (laughs) (laughs) okay then (laughs) all right honey (laughs) well (laughs) so she's getting like hot and cold at the and same time. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> I hope I did it. I hope I passed. <laughs> well, child, hunty. Good job. That was nice. And you can put Thank that you. in your books. We're not going to ask you for no coin for that. We're not going to ask you for no coin oh, for that. You you're can so throw that free. in the well, if you want to know more of what Jamar and Jason do to her, you can read the book. So there you go. Keep there guessing. you go. Head over to Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate you coming to kick it with us in the chat room. We want you to shout out all of your social media, shout out your newest release, and where everybody can get your books at. So you can always check me out on my website at sylviahubbard.com. I have. Uh, so many books there. Like I said, I have over 40, 40, 40 books. You can check out my books, my services, um, my current activities of what I'm doing, where I'm going to be. Um, I'm also on Facebook, and that's my Facebook page. It's Michigan's Literary World. Check me out on Twitter and Instagram, which is Sylvia Hubbard One. And, of course, my YouTube channel, Sylvia Hubbard One, where I'm talking about my books, giving out promotional marketing and writing advice to authors and always just keeping it fresh and live and just having fun. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. We had a great time with you. Your creative juices were flowing. So we thank you for sharing that with us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Like I said, it was an honor. I was like, oh, my gosh, she's reading my mind. She must know. <laughs> Next time, don't be, don't be afraid to sit at Lisa. I want to get on. Don't wait. What you waiting for? Okay, I'll make sure I just, I'm going to open up my mind. they be like, ooh, Sylvia calling again. Y'all got to get her. <laughs> Girl, push that to voicemail. <laughs> Never. <laughs> we never push our voice voicemail. <laughs> Thank you so much. You guys are awesome. We appreciate you. you. Yes, we do. <laughs> yeah, Thanks but good for joining us. You too. Bye bye. Okay. Have a great evening. <laughs> oh, that was so that much was fun. fun. 
You know something, Leash? We got some great jewels from both of our guests because she dropped them awesome. You know, I'm you know I'm always taking notes. <laughs> Absolutely, she, she does. She dropped some, some great jewels mm-hmm. on authors she today. Did. And y'all make sure y'all got your keep them pencils and papers rolling because you know we got the hardest working man in literature. He is the 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 godfather of street uh, literature. He bought it. Mm-hmm. He bought it to the masses. The fabulous Omar Tyree. Hey, Mr. Tyree, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, but I'm I'm the Godfather of Urban, not the street. They added that. Oh, up. I just use Urban. The Godfather urban of Urban. Street. All right. Yeah, Urban was a cold <laughs> word for black. When they use Urban Radio, but I never used the word street because I'm still college educated. And I'm coming from the streets, but when I write books, I'm trying to write about our whole community, not just the street life. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, uh. So, you know, we love having you on. We are good. We love having you on here on Let's Chat. You got to let us know what you've been cooking in your creative kitchen. Yeah, I got a book out right now, an e-book that people can download right now while they're on the phone and listening to it. Uh, It's called The American Disease. And it's all about our struggle with capitalism and money. We still have money problems all over black America, even though we got so-called rich blacks who, you know, they don't really share a lot of that capital. They don't really start a lot of black businesses. They don't really invest in a lot of black businesses. They just got the money. And then they end up buying a whole bunch of houses and cars, you know. And it's bad money, of course. But then when we look at how much we need capital to do things, it's like, yo, that money could do a whole lot more than just be in your residence, you know. And then you got the white folks who they hoard money all the time and they say they're not giving out no handouts and all that, even though the support that all the people gave them is what got them their money. And so now we got reality show stars doing whatever they need to do for money, and we got a whole lot of people on social media and the Internet doing whatever they can figure out for money. And so it's become a disease where anything goes in a lot of situations. And I wanted to write about all that with a whole lot of great characters and some dramatic scenes in The American Disease by Omar Tavri. It's an e-book series that you can get every first of the month. And so May the 1st had the first issue. It's called Full Blown and Fatal. And you got the disease all the way with that money item. And then the second uh, episode is coming out next Friday, June the 1st. It's called Survival of the Fittest. And that's the people mm. that can survive the whole money zone, the people that can't. So I'm always doing something unique and new, and that's what it is now. Mm. Now, what made that you want to write another book? Because, you know, we remember you came on here and you said you absolutely were not writing another book. So what, what made you decide to write another book? I had a tantrum because I couldn't get no investment for music. And so I said, all right. The jokers ain't going to give up no money. I feel like I'm ready to kill somebody with money, boy. And I said, hey, that's a good idea. What if I had one of the brothers <laughs> kill his partner because his partner wasn't trying to give up no money, and his partner had all the money in the world? And so I went ahead and wrote that as the first thing. And so you can ask the question, if you had $10 million, would you break your girl off with 100000 no questions asked? Mm-hmm. Now, that's an interesting question, um, and and how far is how far does this series go? Do you have like an end game, an end end play in sight? Yeah, say it again. How far does the series go? I mean, does it end at certain point, or is it just going to be oh, a consistent? Oh no, no, it's, 
it's going to go for at least a year because I got a lot of that. Really? And then I, I can plug in all the new things that, you know, happen in real life, like, you know, Kanye West saying that, you know, slavery was a choice. And then, of course, the Bill Cosby situation. So I can plug in real life issues and how that affects, you know, the, the capitalistic economic fabric, you know, because I know Kanye West did what he did so he can get attention for his new albums that he's working on. And then, of course, mm-hmm. everybody talks about Bill Cosby being taken down because he was a black man with too much money trying to take over those networks. And so they had to go ahead and smur him to make sure they got him off track from that. So we could always talk about how money, again, infiltrates certain things. And then you got the football players who are looking at the American flag issue and their money issues, you know, with new contracts and all the money that football makes. And now you got NBA basketball players who are making up to $40 million a year. And everybody knows about it because they broadcast how much money they're making. And so all those things I can put in different episodes as things continue to happen. And so the third episode is going to be called, uh, what's the name of that one? Money Over Everything. Okay, so mm-hmm. I'm always dealing with the money and all these issues, regular normal people dealing with the issues. I got a character in there, a single mom with three children. You know she got money issues. And then she has a mother mm-hmm. that's been saving up for a month money for a while, a Latina mother, and a Latino mother's like, okay, am I supposed to give up all my hard-earned savings because you went out there and didn't get married and had three kids? So now you're mm-hmm. talking about a family argument. Then you got a rapper who his manager says, look, man, I'm not supporting that positive nonsense. You got to give them that hardcore nonsense. And so we got all these young kids out here rapping frivolousness because they think that's where the money is. And so I got all mm-hmm. these different, then I got a financial analyst in the book who's trying to help everybody. And when you broke, it's hard to help broke people because they want to spend money on everything they need and everything they want all the time. They don't understand how to save money. And so all these issues, and I got two very wealthy white men, one is sympathetic to poor people and the other one don't care. And so I got all these different characters in that book, man, and we stir it all up with all the issues that's going on and the backdoor secrets and how crazy they're going to do or do each other to get that capital popping. And that's what capitalism creates. It creates madness, desperation. Mm-hmm. And that's where we are. We've got too many black people living from paycheck to paycheck. And so I wrote this this last book, Terry. I'm probably going to pop up with some more when great ideas happen. And this is a great mm-hmm. idea because I was so pissed off that black people are so afraid to invest in each other. Mm-hmm. Wow. So you're pretty much taking, like, the headlines and just, putting a little fiction into it and just kind of expounding on it. Is that like the gist of what it is that you're sharing with us, this new venture of yours? It's not, it's not the gist of it. It's just I know you guys got money problems right now. They say divorce is the number one issue based off money. You know, slavery was based on money. They wanted to bring slaves over here and put them to work where they didn't have to pay for them. You know, and then when they sold us, they sold us for a price. So it's always about money. They got slaves they're selling in Liberia right now with a price tag on them. So it's always about money. It's not about just the headlines. I'm just trying to enlighten people on a lot of these issues that we deal with in humanity is about capitalism and money. You know, so I'm just bringing that up since I was ticked off to make sure that we all understand that. These issues are all about money. Donald Trump is a president that's all about his money. He don't care about poor white people. They voted for him, and now they're embarrassed and won't say it. He is a horrible president, and white folks know it too. 
but won't say it because they voted for him, and now they feel embarrassed and silent, you know, knowing that he ain't no good for the country. But that's what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, voted for the man. He wanted to be president. He's going to make a whole lot of money off of it. And as soon as he get out of that office, he's going to do all kind of new deals for himself, the Donald Trump way. So it's all about money. Oh. Oh yeah, he's already setting up the scene. Whereas he can, he can, he can, you know, it's gonna benefit him on the other side. So it's like oh, writing yeah. on the wall. <laughs> oh yeah, he's gonna do all kind of deals after you get out the White House. No question about it. You know, so that's what this thing is. I call it a disease. I had a friend from Philadelphia. He was like, I don't like that word disease. I said, but that's what it is, brother. It's a sickness, right? We inflicted with this money thing, and it's something that we need healing. We need treatment, we need a cure, and we need to give it to our people on a monthly basis, a daily basis. And that's why I wanted to create it as a series, because we have addictive personalities now where if they read it one time, they'll forget about it. So you got to keep giving it to them, and you got to keep talking about it. So I'm going to go on every podcast, every radio show, every television show, uh, every interview I can get and keep talking about it every month, because it's sad, you know, that we have certain people that have capital and they still afraid to invest in their own people and their own community. And they do what I call a pleasure principle where they spend all that money up on what pleases them and not what can help them uh, strengthen their own community. You know, a lot of these rappers that brag or, or, or talk about how horrible their community is, them dudes can buy up stores and whole houses, buy up, not houses, but whole lots. You know, they could buy up whole malls in their community instead of complaining and spending all that money on jewelry and their teeth and earrings and babies' mamas that they ain't marrying all over the place. It's just ridiculous. And so I just had to be pissed off enough to start talking about it in a book where I can make it very strategic, where you really get the point like, wow, Omar making a hell of a lot of points here that we do stuff that's just plain silly, you know? Hmm. Wow. 
Yeah, you get yeah. a return on your investment. You you don't want something that's gonna you know continue to yeah. To, yeah. to help you out. Yeah, that's that's how white folks do it. Look, hey man, I don't want no charity. I want you to invest in my business. That's mm-hmm. what you can do for me. But then I can do my own charity. I think we lost them. Are you still there, Omar? Uh oh, did we lose him? He was breaking up. I hope he's is he still with us? Are you on mute? Check your phone, Omar. We can't hear you. Hopefully, yeah. Well, we're waiting on Mr. Tyree to come on back in the chat room. We want to welcome you all to the chat room. I am Miss Leisha. You know I got my right hand. And most of the time, she is my left, the fabulous Miss Tony. we talking that talk about straight out of publishing. We've had two fabulous guests this evening, Sylvia Hubbard and Renita M. Walker. If you've missed those two interviews, no worries. Just go over to our archives here on blogtalk.com. Or you can catch us on any podcast app as well as iTunes. Uh, we're Absolutely. on now with the fabulous Omar Tyree. We're waiting for him to come back in the chat room. He is talking that talk about uh, something that's serious that a lot of times we don't pay attention to. Mm-hmm. That's so you true. Got, got and you know, me. Okay, yep, there you are. We got you back. All right. All right. Yeah, so, you know, we talking about money, and a lot of times, we don't like talking about money, but money makes the world go around, and we got to have it if we're going to live in America or anywhere else. You know, so the American disease is the topic. Uh, for the new book, it's an e-book that's out and selling right now uh, at Amazon.com or wherever you buy your e-books. Uh, and I will be writing it every month, every first of the month, we're going to have a new episode. The first one's called Full-Blown and Fatal. When you got that full-blown disease of brokenness and moneyitis and greed, you know that's that that full fledged disease. Absolutely, but you know something, Omar. You know you you you've taken a, a a scene out of your own book where you may not have been getting the response that you wanted in one aspect, where you created another aspect to help you try to get where you want to go with that. So, yeah, yeah. Exactly it. Exactly it. So I'm, I'm being uh, malleable because you guys already know I wasn't trying to write more books because we still have people that don't read them. So now i got to figure out, okay, how can I get them to read this one so that this can create the capital I need to get them where they really are listening, which is the radio. You know, they listen to music, dancing to music. Mm-hmm. You know, so now we've became the super entertainment people. You know, so you got to figure out a way to hit them again where they live in the entertainment business. You know, so I'm still there, and I, what I was saying is that I got, like, eight young people, all under 23 years old, that I'm working with on the music industry, and so they coming. And then uh, Philadelphia, Gambling Huff, I'm going to be working with those guys, putting them in the videos, you know, it's a whole lot of old school guys that I want to introduce the young people to so they know that music and black people is a long legacy. It's not just young people mm-hmm. doing it. So many people try to push old head starters and stuff. So I want to connect those two pieces with young people who do hot, hot music. They're still going to be young, but they're going to be saying things like we used to. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, sometimes, you know, the, the, the not the norm is what's normally needed, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I'm going to knock them around. You know how I am. I'm going to get them to knock them around real good. But I'm going to have their own people speaking to them. You know, that's why I got couple singers in their 20s. I had a 12-year-old that I was just recording with. I just left the studio in Baltimore, 
Her name is Genesis Sutton, and she's going to be on the American Disease Song with me that I'm going to push to you guys in a couple of weeks after I mix it down and master it. And I'm going to put a video together for that one and keep it rolling. You know, I got a Black Panther song out, too. If, if y'all didn't know, Black Panther by Omar Tyree, check it out on YouTube. We got the video, and I had that in time for the movie. And, I, again, I had a budget that I needed to push that song, and I couldn't get the investment back it. So i got to go ahead and create my own dividends so I can go ahead and back myself now, you know. Mm-hmm. So those guys would rather... They'd rather buy a couple more gold chains in the back, you know what I mean, another black business that can strengthen all of us. Because I'm trying to make other young millionaires and young inspirational people with the artists that you put out there. They become inspirational people. They become powerful people. They become voices of the community. And so I'm always thinking about how can I do something that's beneficial to the people. That's why I write books in the first place, because I'm always being an informant. You know what I mean? It's not just to entertain us. It's to inform us of who we are, what we've been through, what we're still going through, how we can get out psychologically and socialistically. Mm. I remember last time you were on here, you were talking about your your uh, Black Panther song. Yeah, yeah. I, when I, say I think it was just coming out, though. Yeah. I don't think he has yeah, it yeah. Yeah. It was just I coming out. Together. I had put it together in October of 2017, but I had always thought about it. I said, when that's Black Panther, but once I found out when the release date was for the movie in February, I said, oh, let me hurry up and get working on this song. And so I had the mm-hmm. song ready since, like, November. Uh, then I put it out in early February, but I wanted to market and promote that and didn't get a chance to, you know what I mean, because of the lack of economics. So when you don't have economics, guys, a whole lot of plans and excellent ideas can go to the wayside. Imagine how many more black geniuses and inventors and business people we could have if they only had the money to put themselves out there like white folks do and like Asians do and like Indians do, you know, East Indians. They get the capital to create those ideas that they create and really push them. Even the devices that we're using for podcasts and radio and all these cell phones, you know, white guys who needed the money for them to really manufacture those ideas, market them, and sell them. And when black people don't have the money to do that, we end up at a detriment, and we can't do those same things and create those same things because when we come up with stuff, nobody backs us on the economic side. So just think about how many more black geniuses and wealthy people uh, that we could have had empowered in our community if they only had the money to execute. That's real talk. Absolutely. I definitely agree. Now, Saturday, you're going to be at the Authors versus Actors basketball game, which is for charity. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, all the way down in Atlanta, uh, my good girl, uh, uh, Nicola uh, Mitchell, as I've been known for years, she was the first one to get me into the ebook uh, thing back in 2011. Uh, she has a program called Girls Who Brunch. Uh, she has a program to uplift the spirits, education, and culture of young black girls in the inner cities. And she does a whole tour with the thing. So she's been in Philadelphia, Detroit, uh, Charlotte, you know, of course, Atlanta. And so and she does these charity events to continue to build capital uh, for her program and continue going and inspiring these girls and educating these girls and, and creating programs where they can feel loved and appreciated and then educated. And so we do this celebrity basketball. It's the second year. And 
so she invited me to come back down there and have a good time with it. And I think she got Angie Stone there this year, too. So that's going to be cool to hang out with Angie Stone and see if I can pitch a couple songs to her. <laughs> so we're going to have a great time down there, but it's all about benefiting uh, the young girls. And they have a banquet. Uh, and then we do the banquet, and then we do the basketball game the next day. So it was cool last year, and we're going to have another good time with it again this year. And Nicola, you know, continues to do the things that she needs to do. Again, people that think about the community, you know what I mean, and try to make things happen. And we always have to raise funds to do it. And so I'm a man of my word. I'm going to be there, and I'm going to have a good time with it as we continue to raise funds for the programs that we need to have in our communities. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. You know, we had uh, part one of the weekend we had the authors on last week and we have the actors on coming Friday so it's a great time and we uh, thank you for sharing some of your time with us and we hope you have a productive this weekend with Miss Nicola yeah that's a whole lot of driving I'm driving pulling off your way back down to Atlanta but that's what hustlers do <laughs> yeah that's true that's true <laughs> but before you leave the chat room Mr. Hustler Please share with our listening audience where they can get your material, your new uh, ebook yeah, series, Amazon. and how they can reach you. Well, BarnesandNobles.com or any other place where you buy your ebooks, and you can always get in touch with me at all my social media, Omar Tyree. I still use my name like all this office done. Uh, with Instagram, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, I got a SoundCloud account, and I have a LinkedIn account. You know, so you can always catch me. Just type my name in. The American Disease is a brand new book to talk about capitalism and that infliction of not having money or having a lot of it and not knowing what to do with it when that greed sets in. And so it's The American Disease by Omar Tyree. I got one more question before you head out. Why did you choose to put it in a nonfiction book instead of a fiction? It is fiction. I mean, a fiction book instead of nonfiction. Well, because we got to look at all the different characters and events I can do. If you do nonfiction, now you got to study an exact person's life. And I want to be able to mix it up and do things like, I didn't really kill nobody, but in the book, as dude killed his boy, you know what I mean? So when you're doing fiction, you can stir up whatever you need to stir up to make a point. You really can't do that in nonfiction. You stuck with the facts, mm-hmm. you know? So mm-hmm. with, with fiction, you can create what you need to create to make the points you need to make. And that's why I'm doing fiction. But, of course, it's all based on the real hardcore truth of the money issues that we continue to have. So it's not like I'm making that up. It's real talk. And then I can mix in the nonfiction parts, you know, like all the issues that are really going on with our athletes and our entertainers and our lack mm-hmm. of capital and what's going on in Liberia right now. So I can still mix nonfiction in with fiction. But at the end of the day, mm-hmm. my main characters, I can create the issues that they go through so that I can talk about them. Otherwise, I got to find right. somebody in real life that's going through it, and that would be a headache. Mm, okay. Yeah. Well, make sure you guys head out and pick up that The American Disease by our friend to the show, Mr. Omar Tyree. Omar, we so appreciate you when you can come and spend some time here with me, Alicia, in the chat room. We know you're busy. We want you to have safe travels. And enjoy the weekend. And uh, I'm sure I'll see you on Saturday. Yeah, I'll see you on Saturday, Omar. All right, I'll see you guys there. And if you guys can play uh, any of you know, the, the content that I have sent you, you know, you go ahead and play it for the people. As uh, we talked about uh, me sponsoring you guys, because I look at that and say, it's a big, great vehicle so they can hear the music and what I'm doing on a regular basis. So, you know,
Absolutely. Well, we appreciate you for always, always, always looking out for us and thinking of us whenever you have events, uh, whenever you have projects, your music. We thank you so very much. And you know how to get in contact with me whenever you need us. You got it. Thank Mm -hmm. you, God. Thank you. You have a safe travel, and thanks again for coming. All right, now. Have a good one. That was the one and only Mr. Omar Tyreelish. Yes, absolutely. I love him when he comes on. Mm-hmm. He always has something new cooking in his creative kitchen, as you say. <laughs> I know, right? He really does. We have, um, he sent two commercials that I'm going to uh, upload for uh, tomorrow. That we okay. can play on tomorrow's show, and okay. uh, but you know we have his one song that uh, we always like, but we're gonna play some of that new on our Tyree. We will see you guys okay. tomorrow. This is going down in the chat room. We're gonna have uh, author and recording artist Karis. We're gonna have recording art artist Chris Carey and author and publisher Mona. Altador. Oh, great show. We thank you guys for listening. And if you miss any of your show, no worries. Just hit our archives and uh, we can we go where you go. Pick us up on any podcast. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Thanks for joining us. I like us. that. You, we go where you go. Imagine an advanced technological world where everything is black. And I mean, Everything that would be crazy, right? And dope, like hot lava entertainment. Black hand, black, black hand, yeah. Black hand, black, black hand. What? Black hand, black, black hand. Imagine that. Black hand, black, black. Everything I gotta. Black queen, black king, black swing, black jeans, black suit, black hero, black city, and black troops. Black town, black gown, black tie, black girls, black guys. Colin Kaepernick got black balls for a black fight to protect black life like a black knight. I got black love for a black wife, two black sons, grew up in a black hood with a black mom and a black pop. Even black cops wrote about black people and black books. Graduated from a black school, ain't you? When I'm old now, but I'm still cool. Black hand, black, black hand. Black is beautiful, I thought that you knew that Make black bright as red, how you do that? If you disrespect my color, beat you blue back uh, I'll be dressed in black, skin is black I'll lose, learn, come back And win is black, started black, finished black That's a fact, wear black, back to back I move some tan, I'm back to black It ain't no color, half is black And after that, black inventions patent that We the ones they expect to bring the package back That's the rap, you can do it this Or you can do it black They label us as niggas cause we great and that's a fact Black chains, black watch, black dress Black locks, black power, black socks Black 
I'm as black as it gets. So they black, black, place a target on a black sack. Go we bounce back. That's that melanin, black boy magic, stay in the black. That status, huh? They black ball. Reasons why we pissed off from the dynasty, never hate wall, so appalled, but this black don't dissolve, huh? My ideology, no source to read a source of me, just energy indoctrinating back to the black boy. Heed the words of this black boy, I'm Nicole Domas, just so enigma. Peep the verbal scriptures with like negatives, producing positive images. I place pictures and pictures so you can peep the bigger picture. They blackmail, blackmail, places in jail, video known, studying black holes. Try to figure a black road from the concrete to growth. Still YGB, young, gifted, and black. Entertainment, the whole 